Episode 62 with Heidi Newfield. Awesome singer, great harp player, great acoustic player, and what a great lady. We really enjoyed this conversation. We just kind of clicked right away and uh, chatted for hours. You probably know her with her time as lead singer with Trick Pony. Also, her solo career has been fantastic with songs like Johnny and June, one of my favorite songs there. Uh, make sure you just sit back and listen. I really love this conversation. Also, don't forget about our sponsors. First of all, Morning Buzz Coffee Company is a Hamilton-based small batch coffee company. They specialize in fair trade organic coffees. And the owners are musicians. Awesome guys. We had a great conversation on a podcast just a few episodes ago. So check them out, morningbuzzcoffee.buzz. Also, Music City Canada, uh, it's your one-stop music shop based out of London, Ontario, and they will ship to anywhere, and they have awesome pricing, great guys. They have everything you can ever imagine. Make sure you check them out at musiccitycanada.com. Also, a brand new sponsor, Stickman Clothing Company. They are based out of Regina, Saskatchewan, and they have awesome, awesome stuff. Uh, really love these guys. And uh, the great thing about them is that they really give back. Part of the proceeds from each purchase made by you is donated to kids' charities within the community. Go to their website, check out what they have. If you're a sportsman into the rank, field, skate park, or if you're a music person, a recording studio, musician, you like to stand on stage, you have great clothing for you, great ideas and fun wear that you really, really enjoy wearing. Also, mygrandfathersfiddle.com. They make uh, one-of-a-kind custom t-shirts. Treat those you love to a memory of a lifetime and uh, makes great Christmas presents. The best ideas, go check out what they do at their website, mygrandfathersfiddle.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe if you're following us on any of the iTunes-type platforms, the Spotify, hit the subscribe button. Also on YouTube, we have the video versions of these podcasts. And subscribe there as well to get all the upcoming episodes and you get to see all the past ones we did as well. All right, this is Heidi Newfield. Okay, we're rolling. This is pretty exciting. I'm happy to have you on the podcast. This is Heidi Newfield. It's nice to have you here. And uh, sitting in a lovely studio there in Nashville. Nice to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much, Darren. It's great to be with you. Uh, and uh, yes, it looks like we've both got the cool studio situation going. This really is our home studio. And we kind of, uh, in 2020, we've we've turned it a little bit more into a, a live streaming studio and a little less into a music making studio. But we still make music in here. Yeah, it's different now, isn't it? It's uh, you've had to rethink about what you have and how you use it. But what the great thing is, when you, if you have the stuff, or if you have a situation like you do there, there's lots of other options um, to make things happen. There are, and you know, again, just kind of kind of making lemonade out of lemons here. I, we, you know, we we've used this opportunity to uh, learn. To it's a bit been a huge learning curve for I think a lot of us on all fronts, uh, uh, but particularly as artists trying to stay connected to our, our audience. And um, so doing a lot of live streams and uh, podcasts like this and these types of things has taught us a lot about lighting, a lot about photography. And yeah. so we've turned what was more of a hobby with, you know, a nice camera that I had. And, and now my fiance and I have learned 
a lot about, you know, and continue to learn that I think that we're going to, you know, it's something that we might take into, um, into the years to come, you know, as a way to continue to stay even closer to your audience. Uh, why not? It's just, it's just another more intimate way than just social media. Yeah. Yeah. And it's fun. I mean, it's funny how, yeah. how many people like I'll, I'll come online with, with a lot of people and, and all of a sudden you look and the, <laughs> the background's terrible or the lighting's yeah. terrible and that, and you think being artsy people, um, that they would care. Yeah. Or get, or see it or, <laughs> but they don't have to time. it. it's like, I'm always surprised how, how bad some situations look. And, uh, yeah, there's some bad ones out there. It, the, the worst part is when not only they look bad, but you know, when, when I hear somebody that is such a, a stellar picker or, uh, or singer artist and they're, you know, they're just, their phone is way off and it, the sound quality is not there. And I'm thinking, wow, it, it wouldn't really take a whole lot to, uh, fix that. But, um, you know, I guess people are doing the best they can with what they've got. And we're lucky that we have the home studio to work out of. And so we've just, we've literally capitalized on what we had watched a lot of, um, Matt particularly, I, I'm, I'm not going to take uh, credit for as much as he's learned a lot, but just, you know, watching a lot of, um, of tutorials and all kinds of things about, you know, like I said, lighting and how to, how to make your camera, you know, go, work at its full capacity. Yeah. And uh, it's been an interesting, you know, so we're, like I said, trying to make the best of it. But um, I, I think if there's anything that's come out of this year as far as fr from my standpoint is, boy, do I miss people. I, I really I miss you know that that ener that exchange of energy and live music and so I mean I never took it for granted before but now, ooh, you know I'm going to be happy to be everywhere. <laughs> yeah, it's it, you know even on TV now I was watching last night something and it was some type of live event and people were going up and hugging one another and stuff and I'm like oh and I'm like oh no this was this was taped like three years ago. Yeah, and, and just seeing that interaction makes you nervous. Almost makes you nervous, yeah. isn't that? And, and it's so and it's, bizarre, and that's only after what it's been like six months of this, and then we've really conditioned ourselves to yeah. be a different people than we were. Um, it, it really, it really, truly has uh, has shifted our behaviors, and you know, and, and in turn, how we uh, how we deal with it in our minds. And um, you're right; it is your first reaction now when you see people. You know, and I, we, every, we try to kind of, we're never, I, I, I never get political or any of that, that thing. <laughs> um, I learned from the best from Elvis and Dolly and people like that who go, no, 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 we, we, you know, why would I talk about that? But it's, I keep that platform to myself and, um, keep it music and, and life and, yeah. you know, the human condition. But, but it, it is really something that has, saddened me to see something that you know when you hear we you know we take it seriously and we have chosen to take it seriously and we wear our masks out and when we're in public and and are going into any public place um and we've been very careful around here uh and that's just our choice to do so so when you see some folks not doing it or like you said you see something from before and you're going you know it yeah. it, it, it does make you kind of 
nervous. Yeah, it's funny. Back uh, when this all started to happen, I remember going into Costco, and that's you know right when it first kind of happened. It's like oh, we gotta need to get some stuff, and and I was in with my, <laughs> in with my sister. We both go in. We had the masks on and stuff, and. And we were the outsiders, you know, everyone was looking at you and strange. Like you're, and, yeah, yeah, like you're out of your mind. Yeah. And it was yeah. still like, n nobody really knew what this whole thing was all about, how you got it, how it was transmitted, all that stuff. But now you go in and if you see and someone- the other who, way around. Yeah. If you see someone who doesn't have one, it's really yeah. odd. Um, yeah. And that's a good place. I mean, that's, I'm glad that's good. That's good. That's good. I mean, learn now that we know what we know about it, um, because, gosh, I, you know, I, I think it was around, what was it, March or so that we all started to kind of, um, I think they, you know, they knew more in January or so than we pro than, than the public, than us, the public, were, were uh, let in on. But uh, I know that I started having conversations about gigs and uh, I had an album coming out this year and which I know we'll talk about, but you know, all these types of things and so many, so many things planned. It was, um, this year was just going to be a, like a blast. I mean, yeah. of, of activity and shows and, um, I, 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 so many things going on and one by five by 10, they just started to, to disappear. And, uh, you know, I, I had to stop and, um, rethink the release date and I pushed that back from June and, even wondered if I should put it out this year at all and then decided that I would um, kind of stick to my word. I had been doing a lot of live streams and I had been talking to my audience about, you know, putting a record out. And I decided that pandemic or no pandemic, that the world still needs new music. And yeah. even though it was going to be a very odd record release for me and my team, um, that it was it was important to stick to my word and, and to go ahead and come with it. So we put it out on August 28th. But uh, yeah, lot, very, very different uh, climate out there than, you know, than your normal album release type situation. So um, it, it is a good thing that the music is still rolling. I mean, glad we're yeah. not in the movie industry. I mean, Right. You keep I mean, seeing all they, these movies that keep getting postponed and it's supposed to be this one out. And now it gets postponed yeah. again. And I could see them right. not wanting to release something because it's should be in the theater. And but of it's course, gonna it, pretty it's, soon get to the point where they're going to have to get some form of money back from some of these movies. And I heard that today, right. even that they're going to start releasing a, a few more. But um, at least in the I music think that's why you're can. seeing a lot of um, I don't know if you're a big um you know, Netflix or TV, like TV series, um, a, you know, cable series type thing, but you're seeing more, uh, I know it feels like I'm seeing a lot more, um, multi like eight, eight to, to tw 12, um, series yeah. seasons and those types of shows more than ever before. And they're coming out with some really good ones. And uh, I, I do a lot, a lot of writing for Sync and, and TV and more so now than, than ever before because there's more to write for. And, yeah. um, and plus it's a really fun place to put your mind that's different than writing for your own album or, or for another artist. And, and so um, you get to go into the de deep, dark depths or the, you know, you really get to explore think, thinking musically 
cinematically, if that makes sense, is, is always a lot of fun. So that's, that's what I've, I've been spending some of my time doing as well. And yeah, less movies and more series, it seems like. Yeah. And I like that. I watched uh, Hannah uh, on Netflix. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. So that was on Prime. Um, and I, I couldn't stop watching. That's the thing that's bad because yes. the next, you know. And you're done for. Yeah. Then it's a marathon and you're, it's five in the morning and the sun's coming up and you're going, <laughs> well, my day's ruined now. What have I done? Yeah. But you just can't stop. So I guess that's a sign that it's good, but it's, 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 that's gotten me a time or two as well. Yeah. Well, let's go back and find out a bit more from uh, your past and how you got to where you are now. Obviously, a lot of people know you from your solo career and with uh, lead singer with Trick Pony as well. Um, uh, both those careers really loved and and uh, always loved your voice and uh, oh, like you got this great edgy voice that I really, really, really <laughs> like. You. And I uh, I was doing a bit of looking online and just refreshing myself on some stuff, watch some live, live events online from you. And it's like, yeah, you really put it all in when you, you hit the stage. And, and, uh, I, I didn't realize how great of a harmonica player you are. Um, well, thank you very much. Yeah. I, I, I love harmonica. It's a, and you, you know, it's an instrument that, uh, I, uh, I really have kind of almost become a, a, a sort of one of the many ambassadors um, for for the instrument uh, uh, for harmonicas because uh, it's 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 just so easy to carry around. I don't have to schlep a drum kit or you yeah. know a bunch you know a, 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 maybe a, a small amp or something like that depending on what I'm going through but um, what I'm playing through but it's just a it's just a wonderful addition to just just about any kind of music. That's the it's it's so completely. Um, you know, you can throw it in from jazz to rock to, to obviously blues and and country, and I mean, there's just no limit limits to where what what I can do with it. And it's it's a really it's been a fun instrument to continue to get to be a student of. I mean, I learn more about it every day. Yeah, the ratio of great players to really crappy players is quite. It's like skewed. There's very it's, few yeah. really great uh, harmonica players and a lot of just terrible players. Not so good. Yeah. No, that's uh, one of the one thing I hate when I see a a singer songwriter type person throw it. Play poorly. Play bad harp. Yeah, it's just yeah. it just brings everything down. Um, and it's a, yeah, you know, it's kind of a it can be a quick and easy thing to get noise out of if that's you know yes good way to put it. and bad noise at that i mean really really bad noise I, I i can attest from having you know first started thank goodness i picked it up as a as a as a kid and uh, so i would say that the majority of my uh my worst years sounding like you know a cat's tail getting run over or something just something horrid and hideous um coming from my room uh, was was you know as a as a kid thank God I had patient patient parents but um, you know I, the come, moving to Nashville just out of high school and then um, you know bringing obviously harmonica into the into the mix with me in a big way I really feel like I got my education 
when I first started touring and you know with it and so there's some things I'll look back on from time to time or I'll hear or even early records even the early Turk Pony records where I didn't play uh, as much I didn't have as much confidence in myself and and so I would kind of you know you know like our first single poor me um, doesn't have a harmonic there's no harp on it and yet we've been we never ever played it live without a big rambling harp solo and um it makes me sad that it's not that what went down on you know on tape didn't end up having harmonica on it but that's just a part of the growth and and i'm you know i'd I'd rather be i'd rather like you said it'd be quality and it'd be good than um me showing my growing pains on record (laughs) so yeah it's it's been a really great instrument and and you're right there's there's some pretty sucky harmonica players out there too but and i'm trying to think to of the god somewhere. there's there's a guy that i have in the back of my brain harmonica player and i can't remember he played with george jones or one of those guys do you know who i'm talking about um, probably probably uh charlie mccoy or no. jelly roll johnson that could be it um jelly roll played with with george uh jimmy hall not so much he he plays a more blues rock like Jeff Beck and yeah. Bonamassa and stuff. Um, Mickey Raphael would be more Willie, but he Maybe he that's played. That's who I'm thinking of. Yeah. Mickey. Yeah. Yes, he's yeah. very much a stylist. Yes. Good friend. Curly hair. Yes. Uh, yes. Yeah. 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 He got a very distinct look. Yeah. Big guy. Big tall guy. Yeah. 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 Yep. Yeah, that's who. That's who I had in the back of my brain. He's. Yeah, Mickey's. Player. Mickey's one of those guys. Well, if you think about it. Mickey's one of those guys that um, had to, you know, he joined Willie Nelson and the Family Band back in 1973, and um, he's one of those guys that doesn't look, he doesn't look his age at all, and he he takes good care of himself, and he's a really interesting guy. And uh, if you if you spent the majority of your career playing with Willie Nelson and ultimately becoming a really integral part of of Willie's sound like when I think of Willie's sound I think of as much of Mickey's harp tone as I do of that gut string guitar you know so but imagine having to play it with Willie's timing (laughs) every single night that many nights you know and all those events and so forth so he really had to learn to be this um, unique stylist this this total stylist and, and his phrasing there's nobody that phrases like like Mickey because yeah. he's had the greatest education of all. Last time I really. saw Willie, it was the strangest thing because the time would go from straight to shuffle to yes. straight to a shuffle. Yeah. Back and forth. On the floor the, yeah. And the shuffle. same song. All of a sudden I'm thinking, I'm thinking, are we at the shuffle now? We're in a yeah. shuffle. And all of a sudden it'll go back to straight again. And it's oh, like, yeah. wow, that was a strange. And but sometimes it, it'll go to a waltz. And then sometimes, you know, and yeah. you, you really never know what I've, I've seen Willie's uh, the, you know, Paul back there was, a, was, um, he was a magician and Willie is a magician. I mean, he just, he, it's, he's actually just completely brilliant. He's either way ahead, but he's still, you know, he's still, it's, he constantly is reeling you in. He's either way ahead yeah. or he's way, way behind, very rarely directly on it. 
Um, and somehow it ends up being just totally uniquely Willie Nelson and, and full of soul. Yeah. And it's so unique that, you know, I've always heard guys pretending to play like Willie, you know, they'll do a thing where they try to play behind, but there's no one, there's nobody can actually imitate it. I've never heard one person came close to actually imitating his phrasing and his whatever, his style. It's kind of halfway there. The only one, the ones, the only ones that I, that I know personally that can do it well are his two sons, Micah and, and particularly Lucas. Oh, wow. Um, They've got it down, but, yeah. uh, but no, he, he, I think that's why, you know, really why I've always been a fan of, and I don't know about you, Darren, but I, I know that I like in, in my, from my youth, I, I was just madly in love with music from just a child on and drawn to it. And I grew up, um, in kind of a rural area in Northern California. So we had, you know, horses and cattle and um don't take that for having money we were ranchers but um i'd say horse horse rich and cash poor but um (laughs) but it was a wonderful way to grow up and so lots and lots of in my youth it was you know a house full of traditional country music and that's what my parents listened to and that's what they came up i came up on but of course as a young girl, I had two older sisters and, and they brought, you know, the stones and, um, you know, ACDC and yeah. great, the re- great rock bands of the sixties, seventies and so on into our house, uh, much to my mother's chagrin. And, um, and, but we had bluegrass, we had, you know, a little gospel, we had kind of a, a lot of different things. And then interestingly enough, I was about 13 and I started finding the blues on my own because of my interest in the heart. And um, so, how did so that, I started. How did that interest start, right? How did you go from a young age? Did the singing come first or did the playing come first? Um, probably more the singing came first. Like I first jumped on stage uh, completely unsolicited. My parents, no stage mom kind of situation. Nobody uh, asked anybody. I just walked up at about six years old uh, at a big uh, outdoor event that was there was about 250 people there yeah. and there was a band playing that was way out in the hills in northern california and um there's a band playing on this big flatbed truck on a generator of course because they're way out in yeah. the boondocks and it's, it's beautiful but um and everybody's dancing and there's big you know this big dinner and and so forth and my parents were sort of towards the back i think my they were towards the bar area and i just walked up the stairs and tugged on the lead guitar players on a break. I was being respectful or in between songs and tugged on his shirt and said, you know, Hey, mister, can I sing a song or two with you tonight? And he uh, was kind of, you know, taken aback and he he looked down at me and he said, well, yeah, what what do you want to do? And I said, Delta Dawn, Kia C. And I, (laughs) I, that was the first song I I walked out and, and sang in front of an audience and, I don't know really what drove, I mean, I, I don't know what drove me to do that. I just decided that that's what I was going to do. And I walked up and did that. And that was it. Like from that night forward, when I got that applause and realized, okay, this might be 
this is, I think this is what I want to do. I put the blinders on and I pretty much stayed the, you know, music was it for me. So I yeah. was always in love with music and different kinds of music too. And that's, that's why um, I was grateful for growing up on the, the, um, you know, the, the quality of country music that I got to grow up on. Yeah. So I grew up with a great and a deep appreciation for the art of country music at its best and uh, from the instrumentation to the, the artist. And so that leads me to, you know, so singing came first and then I picked, I started playing piano and then I went from piano to, to guitar and I still play a little piano and I definitely play guitar. Yeah. But I, my, my grandfather Clarence Wright played the harmonica. It's such an old cliche story, but he played the harmonica and uh, he played more straight heart, more of the, the old cowboy songs and kind yeah. of campfire songs and so forth. And um, I used to think that was the most lonesome sound that I'd ever heard. I thought, oh my gosh. So I, I love asked old my cowboy mom. cowboy music. I mean, yeah, Michael yeah. Martin Murphy and uh, Ro just, Marty Robbins. Oh, and, I love Marty Robbins. And, I mean, yeah. who doesn't love Marty Robbins? Excuse I got to see Marty Robbins live, which is. I still think. Did wow, you really? I yes. never got to see him live. Oh, oh, so good. His outfits, you know, he had the oh yeah best outfits and and that voice like silk. Yeah, I mean, you know, awesome. So yeah, I I I asked my mom, to, you know, if I could get a couple of harmonicas and for you know, fortunately they were very. We didn't have a lot of money, but they were supportive as they could be, and so you know, I I got piano lessons and I got guitar lessons. As, not not uh, together, but can one after the other. Like yep. after I had the mean piano teacher, um, the old mean piano teacher story. Uh, I I said, can I can I stop playing piano and start playing guitar? And she said, she made me a deal. And she said, I'll tell you what, you sit down and play. When you can sit down and play me a boogie woogie tune, um, straight through without messing anything up. And I mean, like flat out boogie woogie, like all that right hand, left hand coordination. She said, I'll let you pick up the guitar and you can hold off on the piano for a while. So I, I did just that and I practiced my butt off and, and uh, I sat her down and played that boogie woogie tune. And actually now looking back, I wish she would have like gone back on her word and said, now's the time for you to keep going. Yeah. But, um, but she she stuck to her word and she let me pick up a guitar and uh, I started taking acoustic lessons in our little hometown and uh, and I'm grateful for that because it's it's been both piano and guitar have been such helpful you know as a writer that's you write differently on piano I think than you do on guitar at least I do and uh, so that's that's been helpful in. I've always written from a young girl as well. So I'd sit down and what started out as poems would turn into, you know, I'd start putting melodies to them and yeah. they were horrible. They're absolutely <laughs> horrible. But like I said, you got to start somewhere. Yeah, so, definitely. you know, um, yeah, one thing led to another. So, so kind of, yeah, the singing started, um, me writing and then, you know, sitting down and starting to learn an instrument or two. And then that led to me playing in front of the family and, um, then I started picking up the harmonica and that led me to at about 12 or 13 years old, I thought, well, 
I started really paying attention to harmonica parts on all those great Waylon records or yeah. He Stopped Loving Her Today or Delta Dawn. And I realized a lot of that was Charlie McCoy or Jelly, Jelly Roll Johnson or, um, oh, there's many, but, but, but I, I started picking those parts out and trying to like take a little riff at a time and learn that riff. And, uh, yeah, that's how it started. And then I started realizing how much I liked cross harp, which would be more blues harp and learning to, to bend and yeah. bend those notes and manipulate those notes. And, and, uh, that led me to the blues. And so my mom would drop me off at the record store and uh, which in our town we had Tower Records, of course. Yeah. You you have Tower Records? No, up in, but uh, I, I've been. I mean, to, nobody has nobody has any record no, stores hardly. No, but I've been to Tower Records anywhere. a bunch of times in the U.S. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So she would drop me off at our hometown Tower Records, and I would go in and literally spend as long as she she would let me for you know just going around listening to records, and and then I would use whatever money I had from 4-H or from work or whatever and come out with a stack of new records and um, sit down and just tear them apart and listen to, you know, and try to learn, you know. And, and so the blues was something that uh, I came up singing country music, but I always knew that I, as, I, I always felt like the blues was just, just another, really, to me, was just a, a sister or a brother yeah. uh, to country. Certainly is. And yeah. so I, I never really looked at it as as it being a different genre, so to speak, uh, until I got a record deal and learned all about how, you know, everybody likes to put things in a box. And so now I think, don't you think that we're in a place musically where people just like good music? And so I, I think, you know, I don't, I still appreciate good country music and um, the, you know, quality of the musicianship and, and tones of voices. And I still look for stylists, people that have unique vo voices that you yeah. know who it is. Um, and for great songs. That's the other thing that I kind of, you know, really love that I came up when I did was we there really was just so many great songs on the radio. You didn't hear a lot of crappy songs back to back. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, today is different. Um, it's not <laughs> country, but it's what countries become. Um, yeah. And, you know, I, I'll have conversations with maybe even people come to our theater maybe here. And uh, they'll be like, well, country music, I don't listen to that garbage anymore and i said yeah but when you were young and listening to the music you were listening to your parents thought that music was garbage too and it's, that's right it's just a generational thing um yeah. and it just all changes i'm still waiting yes. for that point and and i'm hoping it it makes a left turn and comes back to this really cool traditional thing again and it will because i think i think country is going as far you know as it can go and it needs something yeah, different it's at definitely some point. pushed the envelope is, I mean, there really are no boundaries in country anymore to consider it country. We've gone hip hop, we've gone pop, we've gone, we're all over the map as far as what people consider country anymore. And, um, 
And when I say people, I mean different generations. If you're, you know, it's, it really has to do with a lot of what your parents, you know, what you yeah. came up on and w generationally where we are. But you're, I think you're so spot on, Darren, because uh, music in general, but, but particularly well, if we're focusing on country, it has always had sort of, I always kind of looked at it kind of by the decade, but it seems like every 10 or 12 years, it's always had sort of its ebbs and flows of polish and pop um, where things were really produced and synced. And, you know, at one point, you know, in the sixties, it was orchestral and so forth. And that was considered pop. And, and um, it's just like you said, interesting, the interpretations of what that was at the time. Yeah. And, and um, now I think we have, we've not only blurred the lines, we've pretty much obliterated them in yeah. country. And what I don't want to see happen, and this is the this is my own sort of little plight, but I I think there's I'm not a hater at all. I think there's room for all of us out there. But what I don't want to see happen is for country to lose completely lose its identity. Yeah. Um. You know what I mean? I and so like you said, it seems like there's this pendulum that swings, and hopefully we'll come back to we we always seem to. There's a, there's some artists that come out that uh, sort of move it back over towards that more raw. Um, yeah, you take someone like a Chris Stapleton or something like that who. Exactly. You know, it's still that kind of edgy thing. But man, he's just, he can just yeah. sing it with a guitar. And it's just, you feel like, oh, that's getting back to absolutely that rootsy vibe that country is all about and obviously people really like it and people of all genres like it i know people who are who are not country fans who love oh, yeah. chris stapleton because if you think about chris too um you know what a lot of people don't know is is, is until he really hit uh be, just because he was undeniable radio didn't necessarily jump on chris stapleton and and make him a massive star right off the bat his talent did that, and it happened, you know, with radio kind of reluctantly. Um, overall, I mean, there were some radio stations that were crazy about him, but but what's really interesting about Chris is that um, Chris was the lead singer of you know a bluegrass band here in 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 Nashville uh, for many years called the Steel Drivers, and which are still going to this day and are fa fantastic and with the type of and tone and depth of his voice, he wasn't your typical bluegrass voice. Yeah. And that's kind of what drew, you know, us um, kind of, you know, our, this Nashville crowd to, to Chris. And also we were aware of his writing abilities and so forth. And uh, in fact, I co-wrote uh, one of the tunes on this album that, that we put out just recently um, is me and Chris and, um, Trent Wilman, oh, nice. uh, and it's it's a really powerful, kind of haunting song, and uh, so yeah, being he's he's a he's a deep well, Chris is, and I think he's one of those artists that are just undeniable, and he's not trying to be anything. He's not he's not it's not about costume for him. It's not about the lights and the you know and all that. It's it's really about a man and his and a great song and a guitar and a voice. And then let's face it, Mor Morgan and 
his wife yeah. and he make the most stunning team as far as you know from from an audio standpoint i could just sit and listen to them together and um they, they make a great team so i love watching them work their performance last week on the uh on the award show uh did you watch the uh i guess it was the cmas right last week um, yes yes oh, man that was so good um and I, it was funny because i watched the show and and lately award shows are just you know strange yeah different and but man was that one one of the best shows i've ever seen um yeah. and every what i really liked that every performer locked it out of the park um there were so many that i was like okay well little big town just did this crazy kenny rogers tribute and it, and it was sort of like holy smokes that was mind-boggling and then next They're person so would come good. up yeah so it was it was impressive and and i liked the format it was great you know it yeah. wasn't these it seemed like everyone was there to really give it their all, right? Yeah. Um, and yeah. it wasn't about Agreed. the show. It was a more about a showcase of their talent. Um, and I think there's, isn't that, that's, that, that's been happening too more so about with, with this intimacy that, that's happening with the virtual stuff, you know, yeah. or um, playing on, you know, an artist, they're like, say, Little Big Town, they're coming to a stage and there's, they're not playing to an audience. So, it's uh it's a um or it's a limited audience kind of situation so it's much more about less about the the um pizzazz of the show yeah and more about like what you just said the focus of of the performance itself and um because let's face it when when you're you know having done it before and having performed on award shows and and been a part of many award shows you're so caught up in the moment and you're nervous and you know it's your turn to sing and you're coming out of break and that's it's i mean it's i don't care who you are there's there's you're caught up in that moment and you realize you've got that three or four minutes to knock 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 it out of the park but doing it virtually, I think, allows the art, these artists to um, maybe not have, the, there's no, really not as much pressure. Yeah. And they can just sort of, you know, they're staring into a camera like I am you right now. And I'm just picturing your face right there in, in, the, in the camera. And, yeah. you know, you kind of have to almost imagine that that, that place is just slam packed. And, um, and we miss it. Don't get me wrong. We, we want to come back to that. But there i think there is something kind of special about these virtual type award shows as well yeah i agree so let's skip back again um yeah. so you're you're singing away you're in uh high school and and playing guitar and harmonica doing all that stuff and as you mentioned a little earlier uh out of high school you moved to to nashville so did you go right after high school did you I actually started going back and f coming back and forth here to Nashville from Northern California uh, when I was about 13. Nice. And my right, that seemed to be the age that kind of, you know, it, it really kicked in with my mom. And, and uh, we had it, the short story of this is that I was sitting in the living room one day of our house and I was just playing guitar and singing in, in the living room. And we raised quarter horses and there were you know of course during the you know my parents were always showing um people 
horses, we had horses for sale constantly. And so this woman came in to the house that had been out looking at some horses and, uh, uh, I was sitting there playing and she just kind of stopped and I kind of stopped and she said, Oh no, no, please don't stop. And so I kept going. And, um, the short of it is she went into the kitchen and they poured the coffee and they're sitting down talking, you know, business. And, uh, her name was Ginger Crowley on there. She was a very dear friend and a, and a lovely, wonderful lady. And she kind of helped really give me my start because my parents didn't really have the money for us to fly to Nashville. And we didn't really know, you know, anybody. And so, um, my mom used to sing back in our local scene back in the day. She had a beautiful voice. Much more of a, I got my rasp, I think, from my dad and, and uh, uh, my mom had that beautiful kind of almost, um, she could do a lot of the like Patsy kind of stuff and, and uh, also kind of jazz, very smooth, beautiful, beautiful voice. But um, she had, she would get nervous. She didn't, she'd get nervous and her timing would just completely get shot. So. Um, I'd have to kind of hold her down and like when we would play for the family, but my mom and Ginger were talking and and my dad and and Ginger ended up, she said, before we get started, I just want to know one thing. And she took her checkbook out and she said, what is it going to take to get that little girl right there to Nashville? Wow. I mean, and my mom said, well, funny that you're, you're saying that because we really, we want to get her to Nashville, but we don't know anybody and we don't know how. You know, so we literally just started connecting the dots with a few old uh, band members that my mom used to play with in back in the day. Yeah. And then that guy knew somebody in L.A. And then that guy knew a couple of people here in Nashville. And uh, we started searching for songs and uh, looking at what I'd been writing and so forth. And I came, I got on my very first airplane and flew um, from San Francisco to, uh, to Nashville. And it was, uh, here's, this is going to say how long ago it was, which is totally going to date me, but it <laughs> was, right. we're both was, the same age. So, <laughs> Oh, cool. Okay. Well you look young, so that's awesome. Um, so it was, it was, I think they were still using seven forty sevens, not seven. So it was a big plane yeah. and people were smoking yeah. on the plane. I remember that. Yeah. Smoking and I, section, non-smoking section. <laughs> it was the only plane I ever, that that was the last time after that they banned it. But, um, so it was, I got the very last bit of it. Thank goodness. But, um, yeah, they, they so flew to Nashville and did a, put, had put a session together with this, um, shyster of a guy because that's inevitably how it goes. You know, you, know. you gotta learn. And so there's there as much of, of that happening now as there used to be. Uh, no, no, no. I think there's it's because too because of things like this. Yeah. Uh, you know, we didn't have cell phones. We nobody was. You know, there wasn't podcasts. There wasn't tutorials. There weren't things to. You didn't. You wouldn't see me like you're seeing the your, your audience is going to see this, and yeah. maybe somebody's kids are going to see this, and real. You know, you, we so we talk about it, and we talk about you know make sure you, you know, take care of don't spend more on, you know, your demos than you need to. And, um, you know, and, and so there are ways to learn now that we didn't have back that when I was starting out. So we kind of had to learn the hard way, but, 
I, yeah, I, I started coming back and forth at 13 and, and then I, I made this, uh, four song demo with the, what I did, I will say we paid way too much for it, but I'm still proud to play that, those four songs till this day. And I had a, a stellar band like, you know, um, Buddy Emmons on steel and, and some legendary players that, yeah. that even I out in California was, cause I was kind of crazy about reading the back of albums and, and, um, so forth and seeing who played on what records and who produced what and yeah. who wrote what. So that led to coming back and forth about, um, a couple of, uh, you know, I started coming back and forth to Nashville and just sort of networking, uh, with my mom, uh, and then there was a time or two where we had like a neighbor that was coming back. I was about 16 and uh, we had a friend of ours that managed the Doobie Brothers that heard me sing at the fair, our local fair and said, I want you to go back to Nashville and meet a guy named Barry Beckett. And so I went with our neighbor because my mom couldn't go and yeah. I took a taxi cab by myself to go meet Barry Beckett. and. Mom knew that that I had a good, you know, pretty good head on my shoulders, and it was just a different time back then too, you know. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm grateful that I came up when I did, and I had to kind of pay my dues uh, in a club, and, and you know, and and there were no, you didn't have the content, the sing, you know, there was no American Idol or you know those types of shows. So I don't know, like I I kind of went came about it the the hard way i guess or the old-fashioned way but i'm grateful for that even the even the rough times and the and the rough and tumble times that i went through i i wouldn't trade anything for the for those that education yeah it's like hours spent it's like that ten ten thousand hour thing right where back in the day you put those hours in you're playing clubs seven days a week or whatever it was um there was a lot of practicing if you want to say it they're gigs but there was a lot of practicing going on it was um, a, I cut, we, we always looked at it as kind of like a paid rehearsal, yeah. you know. Um, and, but when you started to, you could tell when s there were a shift started to happen when something caught on with your audience. Because, you know, when you're a, a bar band and you're, you know, at, at one point, like when we finally, when we put Trick Pony together, um, we toured on the road in a van and a trailer for about four and a half years or so before we got a record deal. And we opened for everybody under the sun that you can possibly imagine back then. And um, what was interesting was what, you know, we, when we kind of knew that we had something that shifted into place, um, something catchy, something that was getting people's attention, people were, would flock to the dance floor and would, you know, and they started learning the words to these songs that we had written. And then we would come back into that market and they would, request those songs and we would end up playing you know what ended up being our first album uh and and maybe a couple songs off the second album even um that willie's on as a matter of fact cool. but you know we ended up playing those songs for like for those four years as we wrote them yeah. and people they kind of got road tested yeah so there was there was something really cool about seeing the you know, we all had been sidemen for other people, or I'd been, you know, in Nashville, I'd been here in town uh, doing demos and and so forth for publishers and, and so hit songwriters and so forth. And 
uh, something shifted with us where we just, the sound kind of clicked into place and we had something unique and um, something really special when that happens and you can see, see it happen in the, in your audience. And so, yeah. yeah. That's the same thing. That's a, b- a bunch of hours spent, right? And all of a sudden, exactly. after a while, you just start getting it together. And back in, in that day, um, because there was so much playing and so much club work and you're playing every night, I mean, there were a lot of great bands. I mean. Oh, yes. Holy. Oh, yeah. And, and a lot and of great would, bands who would be would like go. B or C bands now that would yeah. just kick butt. Um, yeah. And in some cases, the 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 opening act would end up being even better than the headliner, yeah. you know, and um, and also I think another thing that was really cool was we would go and listen to other ba- you know other bands as well and so kind of support each other and because um, you know at the end of the day the music community it's 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 not it's uh, it's changed a little bit today it's not as much you know um it's it's just a little different maybe it's just it's a little different of a you know kind of a feel than it was uh but i'm i'm so grateful that i got to nashville when i did and got to experience um because really you know if somebody was was a killer player or an an up-and-comer that you could tell had a lot of um potential and so forth you know People would talk about that that guy or that girl, and they'd go, "Oh, you got to go hear her sing. She's she'll blow you away. Yeah. You know, she's going to be something someday." And people would stand on the side of the stage and watch you and support you. They wouldn't just run to their bus. And there was a lot of commu- you know, a sense of community and uh, support. And you know, I, I, I to this day I still have that mentality. I still, you know keep my ears open and if somebody needs some help or if there's a benefit going on and, you know, when we all kind of know each other for the yeah. most part. So, you know, that I, I do love the sense of community in the music business. So how did Trick Pony come together? What, what was the, how did you guys become Trick Pony? Well, um, it's, as as all good things do very organically i um i was in town like i said working on demos and so forth and writing and uh really trying to kind of hone my craft and find my way and doing a solo thing and um i I was waiting tables to supplement my income of course and i ran into somebody who said um you know we're having this party on such and such night at so-and-so's house and here's the address you know you got to come so i go to this party and it's it's a it's a basically a chick night all went all women and the woman who owned the house um were where we're all you know everybody's in the hot tub and we're all slinging mudslides and everybody's having a ball and getting to know each other we uh the woman who owned the house ended up being keith burns's wife at wow. the time yeah and we just became kind of fast friends and she looks at me and she's like, you sound like you sing. And I said, <laughs> well, as a matter of fact, you know, and of course, you know, if, if you're trying to get anywhere in the world, uh, 
you know, especially then you always had music on you at all times. So it's like, bam, you, there's my, there's my demo right there. Or yeah. you've got some form to, of, uh, some example of, of your singing. And, uh, I gave her that to give to Keith. And at that time, Keith was playing bass for Joe Diffie and had been for, um, I guess, I guess he played for him for a total of well, almost seven years. Oh. And, uh, he came back into town the next day and called and listened to that that demo and called me and we met up um, on 16th Avenue at at a, an office downtown and I he's telling me about this idea and he's like you know you really kind of fit the the bill of what I'm looking for and and what what I've been thinking about you know as far as we all would have it would be a trio two guys and a girl and everybody's very unique in their own style and you know you're you'd be singing lead but we all would take a part and um and i said well first of all i guess we need to make sure i said who's the third guy you're looking at and he said well uh, he's a guy named ira dean and i perked up and i said i know ira and he said it was funny because he, he literally said he's like oh my god you know him would you still want to do the gig? Like, <laughs> like as if that was a bad thing. Because Ira was just a really funny guy. And yeah. I said, I know, I said, I, I love Ira. We, you know, I've known him from living in the north north part of Nashville and some of the same songwriter uh, rounds and so yeah. forth. And um, I said, no, that's cool. So the three of us got together when Ira came in off the road. He was playing bass for Tanya Tucker at the time. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it was just a matter of really sitting down in this basement studio and finding out if our voices blended and what we, you know, how we, how that was going to work. And, you know, it didn't take very long at all to find out that we, it just worked, you know, that yeah. harmony wise, Ira could take that high harmony and, um, and Keith had that low, you know, had took the one under me all the time. And, and things just locked in kind of nicely. And personality-wise, we were all kind of A-type personality, so we had a lot of chiefs and no Indians. But um, really, those first—I don't those, those first—we were together for a total of ten years. And those first probably six years or so, especially with us getting into get our record deal and starting to to see the fruits of our labor. Um, it was like us against the world and we were really, really tight. I mean, we really loved each other. We were best friends. We watched, we had each other's back. Yeah. And then as it does happen with, you know, with um, success is a, is a bear sometimes. I think you find, uh, you find about, out about people's character a lot when things are down yeah. and you find out even more when things are actually up, when things are going well how you handle success and or a dose of success and and so i i think um i've always been a pretty even keel person even for an artist <laughs> yeah. and uh i love people and i i just i don't take myself too seriously and I, I i there's not a whole lot of ego going on around here yeah so I never pushed my songs on the band, whereas, you know, other two, we, you know, that stuff started to happen and, uh, we just started to kind of unravel and it stopped after a period of time, it stopped being as much fun. And inevitably what, 
what sadly started to happen the fastest was I started to kind of hear our music started to, to suffer because of it. Yeah. Because instead of us being a team and everybody, you know, pull, pulling for each other as a unit, they were pulling for, everybody was pulling for themselves. And no, but you're just, you're not going to win doing that. That's why Little Big Town is so great. It's because they, they, they have always remained very much a quartet and a unit and they adore each other and you know and it's you know that that's what's gotta you've got to maintain that even through your scuffles and yeah. disagreements and so forth and so it just it, it ran its course and um and at the very end of 2006 we did our last uh sh our last show together sh couple shows together and in uh, yeah, December, I guess it was. And um, I had no idea what was on the other side of that. I didn't know if I was, you know, if we were on Curb Records and I didn't know if, you know, I hadn't even talked to the label at that point. I didn't, yeah. I, I basically, it was very respectful to the guys. I gave them notice and it, it was not pretty for the next couple of months because I thought that was a classy thing to do to let them know and they, they didn't they didn't like that too much. So, <laughs> so you had um, gigs to play and yeah. Yeah. That was, I, yeah. Under any other circumstances that might still have been a classy thing to do, it but totally is the classy thing to do. If I had yeah. it to do over again with the, with that, with that exact scenario, I probably wouldn't have done that. Uh, I would have just waited to the end and gone. Hey, yeah. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Have a great new year. I won't be there, but, um, but yeah, it was it, it. So it got a little ugly, and that was that was sad. And I always still to the, I, I I always kind of speak of that band with, with um with love now because it was such a great foundation to build on, and such a great education for all of us. And and we had a sound that was really you know kind of unique, and a and a a feel to our music that was really unique, yep. and got to travel the world together and do some amazing things, and um. Uh, uh, so I'm. I'll forever be grateful for for that band, you know. And it's hard whatever. for any band to really long haul it. There's not too many that do. Even now, you take a look at right. uh, Rascal Flats, right? So sure. you know, sort of like everyone's kind of, you know, I said we're doing yeah. a farewell tour. I'm thinking you're doing a what? A farewell tour? Oh, yeah. And it's like, okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, th I think it's hard when I think what's great about someone like Little Big Town, there really isn't a lead singer. No. Um, and no, that I mean, Karen is probably as much as close to that as yeah. I, 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 I guess that they get. But it's so um, their personalities. I mean, what they they were very much like us in the sense that, you know, when you get to know them, first of all, they're all just four great people. They're fabulous people. Um, they're all interesting and they all have their own hobbies and interests, um, outside of music and Kimberly with her cooking and yeah. Karen with her fashion and, and, um, but they're all just, they're, they're smart, they're kind and they've kept their feet on the ground. I think that it's, it's so important as you go. Uh, and as I, I've, as I've done this, uh, this many years now and been able to, to, um, hit it again with you know my own solo thing, and then you know kind of tour off off of that and and stay super super busy. And then for a 
a couple of years there, we thought we might put Trick Pony back together again. So there was a couple of sort of missing years there. And yeah. that's where I was doing that. It was, it didn't turn out to be a very good idea, but um, that's what gave me the sort of the, was the precipice behind me step making this new record was I, I don't, I kind of like the little, little big town thing. Like I don't want to stop making music because uh, uh, um, politically I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not with a certain label or uh, I don't want to let anything limit me from being able to, to continue to put music out. I have an audience and uh, I want to, all I want to do is just grow that and continue to write great songs and, and, uh, you know, and, tr and try to continue to hone my craft. And when you get around people, when you're around people like Willie, um, or the Vince Gills of the world, or the Garth Brookses of the world, and you yeah. spend time with those folks, or you, you know, you, you learn a lot about. I mean, and the Rebas and people like that. About you have to have a little balance in your life. You have to have some things. You know, it's 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 good to have a family to love and and someone to hold on to, and um, it's good to have outside you know something outside that you hopefully are into uh, whether it be painting or whatever yeah. you like to teach yoga or I don't know it doesn't matter you know whatever but and I, and I so you, you know I think that balance is important and that and just your raising and, and for me I just I, I just don't I think the way you hold it together is you you know you can't have any quit in you you have to keep going yeah and um, and you have to love it, and still have that desire to do it, and still you know still dr that drive to do it. Um, so yeah, I just you know I, my attitude about it is so uh, you know I'm competitive, but I'm I'm always full of like joy to be there. Like I'm yeah. a pretty happy person yeah, overall. So <laughs> so the new album. Um, what was the your thought behind the latest project? Did you have a sound you were going for? Did you have a thing or did you just hear a bunch of well, songs and let's just see what happens? You know, um, that's Gus. He's putting a few words in here. That's right. Hey, buddy. <laughs> my, it's, it's my interview, bub. <laughs> um, he just gave me a look like, I'll decide. Um <laughs> This record, the Barfly Sessions, is uh, the 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 idea behind it was first of all was just I really want to make a uh, I want to paint with a way bigger brush musically than I've ever ever done before. I don't want to put any boundaries on 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 myself creatively. Yeah. Um, I had a I had a hold of a couple of songs that. Uh, the Stapleton thing being one of them, um, about three or four songs that I felt were kind of gems that I that were very different from one another, by the way. One was more like kind of a Zeppelin feel, like really wacky rock and, you know, kind of slaps you in the face. And then one literally is Buck Owens and, and, and Bakersfield, which is where some of my family hails from. And I spent a lot of time and love that music. And yeah. And then, you know, to this really deep, dark singer-songwriter thing about about loss um, and uh, 
you know, make you cry in your beer kind of type song. And, and so, you know, I, I realized the, these were all so completely uh, different. So that basically became my, okay, so if I'm looking at these songs, how do I figure out a way to build a record and pull the blue, pull the, my influences and the, the music that I love and that I've grown up loving, which is a, a, a broad spectrum of music, and how do I pull that together? And um, I just started, I, I pulled those gems out that I loved, and then I started writing like crazy, and I started thinking about how do I, do I want to, who do I want to produce this, or do I want to produce it myself or co-produce it, because I'd never done that before. Even though I'd done so many demos and, yeah. you know, big A-session a type demos and so forth, I thought, well, I can do this. So I called um, my good friend Jim Moose Brown, who is a great writer. Um, he wrote Five O'Clock Somewhere. That's really the only song I need to ever bring up on yeah. Jim Moose Brown because... <laughs> done. Yeah, that that's that song still still pays him like it came out last week, yeah. um, and so he yeah he he he's played on so many demos. He's been the band leader for Bob Seger and the Silver Bullet Band for sixteen seventeen years or more. He he's a multi instrumentalist, but is especially well known for being a uh, phenomenal soulful Hammond B three player and piano yes. player. Yeah. And I had worked with him for years, and we'd been friends for years. And um, so, you know, we were writing one day, and I said, uh, right here, actually, in this studio, and I said, um, I've got this idea for a record, and I, it's it's really broad. And but I said, I want to I want to marry the blues and soul, and really traditional, you know, country and honky tonk and singer songwriter stuff, and somehow marry them together and make a, a big old record would you want to co-produce it with me and he said yeah i i love that you know and 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 so and and he's very broad-minded as well you know he he's w was born in detroit you know michigan so he came up with that funk and and yeah. um spent a lot of time in muscle shoals and he's got that the, the blues in in his blood and was raised in Arkansas. So he's, you know, he really appreciates and loves a good country song like I do. And so all the elements were are there for him. And then we just sat and kind of cherry-picked musicians that were also very broad-minded, not just guys that have like kind of one trick in their in their bag, you know, guys that can sit down and, and play, you know, they can twang and they can also just completely bang and rock and kill it and and um and have just a really big bag of tricks and that's what we needed and so we we just denned up at, at his studio for about a week with these guys and um uh rewrote a lot for it yeah. and then i there's two outside songs on the record uh one is a duet that i did with delbert mcclinton oh, nice. um called the blues is my business and notice i said business it's important yeah. to say business <laughs> and uh, the other is the is a complete 180 from that it's a song called whitley's tombstone and i did a duet with randy hauser oh, uh and mickey Raphael came in i asked him to come in and blow some harp on that uh that tune as well and he 
Um, so that that was it, that almost explains the record all in one fell, fell swoop. Is it, it's it just um, music that what I wanted to do was be able to put this record on. We're making double vinyl at the top of of the year, which I'm excited about because it's a record that kind of I think will sound really kind of made for vinyl so yeah. um but i wanted to be able to put put a, put the record on and every single thing you know, like you have no idea what's coming next there's not a th there's the theme is there's no theme it's it's just it's it's exciting to listen to a record that and somehow yet it has it, these common threads with these musicians and my voice and the harp and uh, certain tones and, and sounds that that pull it all together. So it's it's definitely a mix and a blend. Kind of reminds me of like maybe 70s radio oh, yeah. when I was a kid and, you know, coming up and you'd listen to a, to certain radio stations that were more, you'd hear Merle Haggard and then you'd turn around and hear um, the Eagles and you'd turn around and hear Jackson Brown. Yeah. And then you'd turn around and hear Johnny Cash and, you know, Dolly Parton. And so, and, and so you it was such a mix of, of music and that's sort of the feel behind this record. That's awesome. Do you find now yeah, it that was fun to make, I really bet. fun to make. I find now that I'm getting older <laughs> that, uh, yes, a little bit, um, that it's almost like the pressure is gone. Um, yeah. and it, you just make an album or you re approach it way differently than you, than right. you used to and that's a real awesome place to be yeah you know I, I i wish now you know it's funny the old wish you knew what now what um then what you know now i i guess i'm glad that i did but it it sure would have been nice to take the pressure off myself back in the early days i feel like oh i could have done such a better job if i would have just walked up to that microphone and not been concerned about um, you know, am I gonna, when, you know, with Trick Pony, there were, there was this inner competition that sometimes took place with the three of us. Yeah. And sometimes that could turn uh, a, a, almost a little ugly. And so there were times where, you know, those guys would tell me, they'd put me down. And, and I, I would just, I was like a little banny rooster. I would totally, you know, put my dukes up and be going, you know, how dare you? You don't get to talk to me that way. But inevitably, I would put that, I would change, you know, it would, it would stick yeah. with me. Yeah. And I would quietly take that to my bunk or to the back of the bus or to, I'd take that home with me and think about it. And and after a while, it kind of gets to you. And so you start to wonder, am I that good? Or am I, you know, am I just mediocre or whatever? And I went, through, I've I had, certainly had my moments where I've gone through those periods of time where I I wish I hadn't. I wish I would have just believed in myself um, the whole time and had, and, and you know, it, it went, even if I didn't have champion people that were championing me around me, uh, that I could have just barreled through it. And I did, but now, man, I just, I just enjoy it. I love singing. Stage is my home. Um, every, not that I've gotten to be on that many stages this year, but. I have been on a few and it's almost felt like, oh, oh gosh, am I going to be super nervous? Is this going to be weird? And it, it just, it's like, 
walking into church. It just feels so good, so warm and um, just very comfortable. And so I feel more in my element and more comfortable in the studio and playing and, and with my, you know, writing it out where I can really enjoy it. I still want to continue to improve. I always want to be a student of, of, of this, um, thing, this, this music thing and never stop learning, but, and expanding. But, um, you know, already I'm kind of thinking, I'm so excited about this record, but I'm, and I, I can't wait for it to, to be able to tour around this record. Yeah. Um, hopefully Next year. sometime in, you know, 2021, early 2021, mid 20, we don't know. Yeah. We'll figure it out. <laughs> we'll know when we know, but yeah. getting to tour around it will, will almost make it feel brand new again. And, yeah. um, and, and then, you know, I'm, I'll already be, I'm already kind of moving towards and writing towards the next one. And, uh, seeing where that takes me. So awesome. I'm excited about, I, I feel like I'm doing my best work kind of now. Like there's going to be this, it's, it feels like a rebirth almost. This feels good to make music. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's just, I feel pretty lucky. Yeah. Cause it, I, we love what we do. Yeah. Yeah. It's neat to have, you know, a space that you can come in and record and, and yeah. just call it your own and, and just relax and, it's no pressure. Right. It doesn't have to be out tomorrow. And um, right. that stuff is pretty awesome. Um, Absolutely. Let me wrap up with a couple of quick questions because I know I've taken a bunch of your time. Um, That's okay. So a couple of things I've always liked to ask. Uh, obviously, you've played all over the place. Um, and is there any venue out there or any place you've always wanted to play or sing at that you've never had the chance? Royal Albert Hall. There you go. Yeah. I mean, I'm there with you too. Many. That's, that's on my top one or two for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there are many. And I, and I, I know that you have a venue, um, there, a, a theater. And I, I have to say that, that old theaters that have, you know, sort of a, a, a spirit in them, uh, much like the Ryman auditorium being, you know, here in Nashville, yeah. there's a, there's a, a, a feeling inside that building um, that is palpable. And so you walk in and you can almost feel the spirits, you know, from, you know, and you can literally stand on the edge of that stage and whisper. And if you're doing it right, even with a packed house, they can still hear you, uh, from the balcony. And so there's something about old theaters and, and those types of venues that I think are wonderful. But, um, yeah, I mean, if I just had to name one, that would just be, that's the one I would rattle off. It's a good one. Yeah. Um, what about uh, entertainers that you've uh, never had the chance to sing with or work with? So is that one person out there that you said, oh, if I ever had a chance to sing with this person, who would it be? Whew. There are there are a lot. There are a lot. There, there have been many that I feel very fortunate to have been able to to work with. Um, <clears throat> I. You know, right now, if I were to rattle off one name, I would probably have to say, I probably have to say maybe Bonnie Raitt. Oh, cool. Um, would be at the top of my list. I could see I've you never worked with, with her. I, I've never yeah. worked with Emmy Lou either, and I, I've always wanted to work with Emmy, so yeah. she would be up there with me. Um, Stevie Nicks would be one. 
I'd love to hear our voices together. That would be really cool. Yeah. Uh, Don't get me started. There's a lot. There's (laughs) a a lot. Yeah. Cool. Well, if people want to find out more about your album, more about you, what's the best way to find you on the socials and and all that stuff? Absolutely. Well, I am um, very active on, uh, even sometimes when I don't want to be, I'd say, I think all of us, it's like, it's a a love hate thing with, with social media. You know, it's a wonderful tool to be able to keep, to reach out to everybody. And I love getting to see family and friends that are far away. Um, but I also, tr- I don't, I'm, I don't live on it either, but I do, I am pretty interactive on, um, people can find me at, at Heidi Newfield at Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, just under my name. And, um, I also have done the, a CD of the Barfly Sessions, cause I think that there are still a lot of people who are into vinyl and CD. I'm printing the, we are printing the vinyl, um, at, should be done really at the top of spring so probably like early march we should have the double vinyl done um that and all my merch and more information and kind of you know kind of about the barfly sessions and also they can kind of get a a little sample of what they would be um what they'd be hearing um as on heidinewfield.com and check out the website and we try to keep that um updated of course with up and coming dates and there's there's a few of those that are on there for next year already, but there'll be a lot more coming. So um, check me out on the website and uh, yeah. And YouTube also, we're, we're kind of updating that as well. And, and I'll be doing a couple of music videos uh, off of the Barfly Sessions volume one um, that we'll be putting on YouTube as well and sharing on different platforms. Nice. So yeah. Awesome. Well, uh, stick with me for a minute and we'll say a proper goodbye. But uh, for now, we'll wrap up this podcast. It's been awesome to have you on. Uh, you, awesome it's been guest. awesome to have talk to you. And thank you for, for all your time. Thank you. Appreciate it. We'll catch you soon. Okay. Okay.